Welcome to the King's Court Podcast. It is my greatest joy and has been my privilege over the last eight years to gather women once or twice a month in my home to study God's Word. Since April of 2020, my home is much quieter. The doorbell isn't ringing, and the clatter of coffee mugs and conversation has ceased. My heart aches for those sounds to fill my home again. I pray daily that this virus will be stopped that has plagued the world. It abated here for a while in the summer, but is rearing its ugly head again. Even the street I live on and love is quiet. Few children are out. It is so very strange. Some days I have peace, some days I don't. Because I am unable to do what I love, and my gathering group is so small, here I sit. A microphone is no substitute for human contact, but I feel compelled to do what I can to spread the news of Jesus Christ. And I will offer what I can. So I welcome you to my home in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. I hope you have your tea or coffee and are sitting curled up in a comfy spot. Here is a little bit of my story. Over 25 years ago, Jesus captured my heart. I was a young mom, overwhelmed and facing many challenges. So I cried out to a God I didn't know. And he came. He invaded my heart. And gradually, over a period of four years, began to put the pieces of my heart back together. Like Humpty Dumpty who fell off a wall, Jesus began the process of restoration. It was painful at times. I wish I could say circumstances in my life changed and improved, but they did not. Actually, they got worse. But somehow, in hindsight, I know it was the Holy Spirit, gave me strength and a joy a deep abiding joy I had never known. Within a few years, I began my love of the Word of God, which has never waned, but only grown stronger. I am a lover of books and stories, especially stories filled with knights and nobles, Kings and grand castles. Inside these castles are beautiful furnishings, candlesticks, and lamps of gold.
The drapery is silk and velvet. The floors are marble. There are carvings everywhere. Outside are lush gardens that surround the castle. These are stories I love. Armor bearers with shields and swords who fight off evil forces. Grand banquets and balls. I could go on and on. Well, I'll let you in on a secret. Maybe you already know. There is a kingdom more beautiful than anything we could even imagine. The throne of that kingdom has a king. He sits on that throne. His name is Jesus. It's God's kingdom. It is an everlasting realm where God is sovereign and Jesus Christ rules forever. The teachings of Jesus revolve around this kingdom. Our entrance into this kingdom is described in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 read, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, we can't earn our way into this kingdom. It is a gift, freely given. We must freely receive. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus calls a little child close to him. During the questioning, from his disciples who ask him, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Here we see them jostling for position. I tell you the truth, says Jesus, unless you turn from your sins and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom. I love his response. Here Jesus gives us two very important lessons concerning entrance into his kingdom. A turning away from sinful ways. Preachers today will call this repentance. Not only is it a practical turning from sin, but it is a posture of our heart. You see, we're not perfect, but the desire of our hearts is to turn, is to change. Jesus says we must come like a little child. Here he uses the illustration of a child to point us to complete dependency on him. Another example of this principle occurs in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings The Lord appears to King Solomon in a dream, and he asks him, What should I give you? Solomon's reply shows 
childlike humility. Lord my God, you have now made your servant king, yet I am just a youth with no experience. So give me an obedient heart. This is a beautiful picture to us of Solomon's humility as he acknowledges his dependency on the Lord. I must admit, I struggle with this notion of childlike faith. I strive at times to do things for God instead of resting in what he has already accomplished for me on the cross. It is difficult for my mind to grasp that God pursues me. And only as I lay down my effort, in exchange for his grace, can he breathe life into me. Grace, what a concept. So hard for our mind to even fathom such a beautiful grace. Challenges will come, but even then, hopefully more so then, I can believe He is good, that He cares about me, and that I can be secure in Him. Since the beginning of time, God has been seeking to reveal Himself to us in so many ways, through nature, through dreams, visions, and the gift of imagination. As wonderful as these things are, they will give us no saving knowledge of the divine character of God and our part in building his kingdom here on earth. You see, we do have a part. It is only as we yield our lives fully to scripture, as revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, that this can happen for us. It is a pilgrimage of sorts, this walk of faith. The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 40, writes, All humanity is grass, and all its goodness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God remains forever. You see, it's unchanging, this word of God. It doesn't change. It remains the same. We need to hold on to his word now more than ever. Of this I am very certain. From Genesis to Revelation, the creative work of God is revealed. In Genesis, the living breath of God formed light from darkness. All through Genesis, The creative acts of God are demonstrated. In Genesis 2, verse 7, God forms man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed strongly into his nostrils the breath of life. In the 103rd Psalm, David pens, For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Not until God breathed into the dust-made body did he call his creation very good. We have been created by God for a unique and intimate relationship with him. When we come into relationship with Christ, it is more than physical breath 
that we have received, but also spiritual, because God is spirit. It is by the spirit that real communion with God exists. It isn't some intellectual exercise, but it is of the spirit. Our reborn spirit is united with Christ through the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit searches out our innermost being like a spotlight. So much of the workings of the Holy Spirit in us as born-again believers is a mystery. And it is received by childlike faith. I will end today with a few verses from Psalm 16. Psalm 16 Confidence in the Lord God, I take refuge in you. You are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. You are my portion, my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. He instructs me. I will keep the Lord in mind because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. My heart is glad, my spirit rejoices, my body also rests securely. You will not abandon me, you will not allow me to see decay. You will reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. With your hand, Lord, you will save me. My life is in your hands, O God. I love you, Lord, my strength, the Lord, my rock, my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my mountain, where I seek refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. I call to the Lord, I cry to him, and from his temple, he hears my voice. My cry reaches his ears. I will seek your face, O Lord, in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. I hope my words today have encouraged you to dig deep into the words of Scripture and to behold the wonder of King Jesus. Join me in a few weeks for session two of the King's Court podcast.